Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to put a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. You can find me on social media, X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at the same handle, at Gorgon Sports. Hit me up there because I'd love for you to be a part of the show, and that's the best way to talk back to the show and get involved. We have a big week nine ahead that we're going to dive into and preview. But before we get into that, I want to start with a bigger picture topic today. And that is everything going on at the University of Michigan with this sign stealing scandal. And I'm not going to sit here and moralize on whether stealing signs is right or wrong. If the way they did it is right or wrong, I'm not going to be outraged and offended. I feel like right now everybody has to have some super strong take or another, whether it's the most insignificant thing ever, or it's the worst thing ever. And Michigan should be banned from the college ball playoff this season. To be perfectly honest, I don't have a strong opinion in that way on this topic. I think it's more funny than anything that this guy named Connor Stallions was leading this big operative to go and steal other team signs. It's just like, it's one of these things where it's like, this is college football. If an alien came down and wanted to understand college football, they would never because this guy, it was just seemed just like a, it's, it's almost too unreal to believe but that's not what i'm here to talk about in regard to this situation and michigan's uh the allegations of sign stealing sign stealing against michigan what i want to talk about in this situation is something that has kind of concerned me going back a year now to last off season and i did it i, th- I think it was last january i did an episode where i talked about the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry and and Jim Harbaugh's flirtation with the NFL that ended up not happening. And and I want to kind of reiterate the same point that I said then. The good old days in this Michigan-Ohio State rivalry are right now. They are happening at this moment. Jim Harbaugh has built a beast of a team. For my money, I know they haven't played the hardest schedule. Nobody has played better than Michigan has this season. They don't have the best resume, but they nobody to me has played better. Nobody has looked better just using the eye test than Michigan has this season. That's why I bet on them to win the national title. That's why I have bets on J.J. McCarthy to win the Heisman. I think they are an unbelievably good football team. And he built this. He built it up from a time where they could not beat Ohio State, where some Michigan fans wanted to run him out of town because he couldn't get over that hump. And now he's completely flipped things. That He's turned the tables on Ohio State, and Ohio State is the one with the anxiety. They're feeling like, why can't we get back 
Why can't we get back over the hump? Why can't we beat Michigan? Is Ryan Day the guy? He's only lost six times, but is he the guy? He lost to Michigan two in a row. I don't know. There's a lot of anxiety in Columbus. And to me, we should be celebrating this. We should be loving this. This is why we love college football. This is why we love sports is because of the rivalries like this and seeing one team rise and another team fall and the implications and what it means if one team falls and the impact it has on their rival and their mindset and their psyche and how they evaluate their program. This is the good stuff right here. This is what college sports is all about. This is the peak of rivalry right now with this Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. Every year they are playing to determine who is going to win the conference. Who is going to go to the college football playoff? Last year, they both went to the college football playoff. It is high-level football. There are high stakes, and there is history behind it. But all we are constantly being forced to do is talk about other things when it comes to Michigan. Whether it's Jim Harbaugh leaving for an NFL job. Now this whole science stealing scandal, which many, myself included, are speculating is going to lead to Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan and going back to the NFL. And I just want to say, I think it's a shame. I think it's an absolute shame that all of these things have gone on where Michigan fans have, have never had the opportunity to really feel like, okay, we're really building something here. You know, we, we two years ago beat Ohio state lost to Georgia in the college ball playoff now, but we're coming back. We're building something more beat Ohio state again, uh, disappointing loss to TCU, but that's all right. JJ McCarthy's coming back. We really saw progress out of him. Can he take the next step? No, we never have gotten to talk about it in that way. Truly because we've always had these other distraction with Michigan last year. It was the NFL flirtation. The year before that, it was the NFL flirtation. Now it's this sign-stealing thing. And I think it's just a shame that what is the good old days of this rivalry is being not not forgotten, but it almost it's almost a side part of what is going on at Michigan at all times. And Michigan fans should be feeling like they're on this ascent, on the on this big climb, like they've accomplished a lot, and they have accomplished a lot the past few seasons. But it seems like they always have to be fearful. Oh, great. What's next? Is Harbaugh going to leave for the NFL? Do we have this NCAA thing coming down? Do we have this scandal happening? Is Harbaugh now going to leave because he's sick of the dealing with the NCAA? And I, I just think it's – I think all of that is – a real shame. So I'm not here to moralize. I'm not here to say that sign stealing is the worst thing in the world or that it's an absolute nothing. I think at the end of the day, it probably falls somewhere in the middle. I think almost every team in game is trying to figure out what the opponent's signs are. I don't know that many, or I don't know how many have gone to the lengths that Harbaugh and Michigan did to uh, put folks in the stands at opposing stadiums, which is the, against the rules. That is what is against the rules here. The in-person scouting, that is uh, the what is against the rules out of all this in-person scouting. And uh, so I don't know how many schools are and teams are going to that length. But one thing I do know is college football coaches are among the most paranoid people on the planet. When they talk to their coordinators on the headset, they cover their mouth. They are, are constantly weary of anybody saying anything to the media or saying too much to the media or hinting too much about an injury or a strategy or a philosophy or a play call or their personnel. So 
I, I find it a little bit funny if for people to be aghast that this is happening. It's like you guys are already the most paranoid group of people out there. I mean, I would assume you're paranoid for a reason. And to be fair, I haven't heard many coaches publicly come out and say this is the worst thing ever. Uh, I can't believe this. Been completely aghast. But there's a lot of people who comment on the sport, who are around the sport, who who have shared that opinion. And again, I, I don't know exactly where I stand. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, I don't think it's the most egregious thing in the world. I understand why you would hate it. If you were an opposing player, an opposing coach, an opposing fan, I understand why it would be frustrating. But I don't think Michigan should be banned from the college football playoff, certainly. I think Michigan is a still a very, very good team on its own uh, merit, even if they didn't have this whole operation but what i think is a shame in this whole thing is the fact that what should be a golden age of the ohio state michigan rivalry feels like there's always some other storyline going on that's not enhancing the rivalry but lessening it where we have to focus on something else we have to focus on a scandal we have to focus on jim harbaugh's future and i think that's a shame and i mean in part jim harbaugh only has himself to blame because he is the one who was constantly flirting with the nfl he is the one and look at the end of the day it is his program so i i would say anything that happens within the program is his responsibility whether he knows about it or not i know that's a big point of contention right now did harbaugh have any knowledge of this whether he did or didn't he runs the program uh as coaches like to say a lot either you're coaching it or you're allowing it and if he wasn't coaching this he was allowing it to happen so to me again he only has himself to blame and i i just think it's too bad because what we should be looking forward to is another five, another 10 years of Michigan and Ohio State going back and forth and back and forth and trying to one-up each other and trying to out-recruit each other and have these classic games on the field. And unfortunately, it seems like there has always been something else that is robbing us from that. There's always been these other storylines, and I don't think that the rivalry as it exists right now with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach of Michigan is going to last too much longer and that's a that's a real shame so to me that is the shame in this whole michigan matter let's get on to the week nine slate and there's no one super big game this week no game where i say hey we got to break this one down we got to do a showdown breakdown here no let's just get on to the whole slate let's look at that whole board it's time to spray the board and we're going to try to keep that arrow that graph going up and to the right because that's the trend we've been on week eight was another good week up just over six and a half units in big part because i hit my money line parlay of the week a week ago uh, on futures for the year down 2.34 units have a couple futures rolling in that i lost the care of the colorado under regular season wins and arkansas over regular season wins the arkansas bet one of the worst futures bets i think i've ever made arkansas looks absolutely atrocious this year and i bet them over seven wins it's already dead and we're just heading into week nine but we do have some futures that might be coming in as winners 
sooner rather than later we're within a game or so of hitting some of those so i'll update those on my record uh as they come in also have some big payout futures out there like michael Penick 16 to 1 to win the heisman jj mccarthy 630 to 1 to win the heisman uh things like that that are very much in play very much in the realm of possibility but all in all for the year including my uh, in-season bets, my futures, everything. I am up just about 9.5 units on the year, 9.48 units. So a very good year so far and looking to keep it going. So let's jump right into things and let's start with the noon time slot, Eastern time on Saturday. My main screen for this one, I think, is going to be Oklahoma going on the road to Lawrence to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. And this is the big noon Saturday game on Fox. Uh, They're going to be doing their pregame show from Lawrence. And it's a big opportunity for, for Kansas to get over the hump and take down Oklahoma. Oklahoma obviously is still in the midst of an undefeated season. They have national championship hopes. They have big 12 championship hopes. This is a team with a lot to play for. And Kansas is a team that's sitting at five and two, two and two in conference. And they've dealt with the big story of their season to me has been the injury to their star quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who uh, was expected to have a huge season and just has been banged up with a back injury. And this week, Jason Bean will be making his fourth start of the season. And I think we've seen Jason Bean continue to improve last week in a loss to Kansas, or I'm sorry, in a loss to Oklahoma state rather in uh, their, their last game, which was two weeks ago. Bean had a really nice day through the air over 400 yards, five touchdowns um, and I think he's starting to progress and improve as a passer beans really known for his legs uh, the way he can run the ball but I think they've been a little more careful with him knowing that he if they don't go if, if he does get injured they'll have to go to their third stringer which is not something they want to do Kansas this Kansas team has been able to score throughout the whole year uh, even in their losses Even in their loss to Oklahoma State, scored 32 points. In their loss to Texas, uh, that was their one poor offensive output of the year where they scored just 14 points. But if you go down the rest of their schedule, they have not scored less than 31 points in a single game outside of that Texas game. uh, Lance, uh, Lance Leipold and crew... It's just a great offensive staff that is really good at scheming things up. I think now they've had a few weeks to work with Bean. They know what he can do. They can devise a game plan for him. So I really like Kansas to score in this one. I think Oklahoma's defense, which got off to a really nice start this year, has been trending a little bit in the wrong direction, even as they've won games. I think a little bit of it was inflated by a... uh, easier early season schedule where they had Arkansas State, Tulsa, and then even Cincinnati has struggled a bit offensively. But they, a week ago, a nail-biter against UCF where UCF was able to to move the ball pretty well against them. And UCF's really known for that running attack. But uh, John Rice Plumley, 
able to throw the ball for 8.3 yards per attempt in this one. They did add 100. Uh, they did add 150 yards on the ground, and they were they put up almost 400 yards of offense. So moving the ball up and down the field a little bit. Oklahoma has definitely allowed more big plays recently, and that's something Kansas can definitely do is hit some big plays. So I, I don't feel great because of Kansas's defense about betting the Jayhawks plus nine. Uh, the total in this one is 65 and a half. What I am going to do is I am going to bet Kansas over 27 and a half points in this one. That is what I trust the most. I trust Kansas to score. I think Oklahoma will score too, uh, but I could easily see this one being like a 42, 28, 45 31 type of game where Oklahoma gets the cover, but Kansas scores. So give me the Jayhawks over 27 and a half points on in this one. Uh, some of the other games that I'll have on between the laptop and the, and the second screen is uh, another big 12 game, big, big slot for the big 12 at noon, uh, 11 local in a lot of these locations, 11 local in Kansas, 11 local for Houston at Kansas state, uh, uh, the Wildcats, a big favorite in this one, 17 point favorite at home as uh, Kansas State tries to get back into the Big 12 championship race. They're sitting at three and one in conference, and it's such an interesting situation for them right now where they now are once again playing two quarterbacks and Will Howard and Avery Johnson. And Avery Johnson is is the, the young quarterback, uh, tremendous legs, and he's added a, a nice dimension to their offense. It looks like they're going to continue to play them both they're comfortable playing both chris Kleiman seemingly is always comfortable playing multiple quarterbacks and this year seems to be no difference and and it looks like with quinn ewers out for texas kansas state could have a real chance they gotta be thinking they have a real chance to get back to the big 12 championship game again and possibly and possibly repeat as big 12 champions yes they have houston at home this week but they have a huge game next week on the road in austin against texas so could this be a bit of a look ahead spot here for kansas state uh, with that big game ahead houston played really well a week ago playing texas close and they're looking to build a little bit momentum here uh, this line is just too big for me i like kansas state but this line is just a little bit too big for me. So I'm going to go with a no play here. But it's one I'm going to be watching closely because that, that sets up a huge matchup in the Big 12 in a week from now, in week 10. Kansas State, Texas could almost be an elimination game when it comes to who is going to go to Dallas for the Big 12 championship game. A third Big 12 game at this time slot, which I do have a bet on. And this is a bet that I, one of my favorite bets of the day. Obviously, I'm putting it on this sheet. It's one of my favorite bets of the day. But this is one that jumped out to me right off the bat. And it's UCF minus seven hosting West Virginia. And this one's pretty simple for me. UCF is a team that has lost a lot of close games this year. I think they're they're pretty underrated in that department because you look at them and they're they're three and four they haven't won a conference game but 
they had a huge lead against Baylor that they blew. Then they lose a couple road games to Kansas and Oklahoma. But last week against Oklahoma, they played really well. Their quarterback, John Rice Plumley, seems to be healthy. They have this great running attack. And when I look at West Virginia, who got off to a really hot start on the year, but has now come back to earth a little bit, losing in a, in a wild game against uh, Houston where they lose on a Hail Mary, but then losing again a week later to Oklahoma State. I look at that Oklahoma State game where they got absolutely thrashed on the ground by Ollie Gordon, who's been one of the breakout players of the back half of this college ball season here. He goes for almost 300 yards in that game. Uh, against Houston. Houston, a team that could just not run the ball at all against Texas a week ago, went for over five yards per carry against West Virginia. I think UCF gets this one done for their first Big 12 win. I like them laying a touchdown at home. Give me UCF uh, on homecoming at noon in this one. So uh, the noon time slot Eastern, going to be a heavy Big 12 slate there. Let's move on to 3.30, and I got a bunch of games that I am betting here, but I got to start with one that I am not because that's going to be my main screen. It's Oregon laying six and a half, laying a touchdown, depending where you look, on the road in Salt Lake City against Utah. And look, with every fiber of my body, I wanted to find a way to bet Oregon this week. I think everything Utah has done is very impressive. I think it's been unbelievable how they could lose all the guys they've have to, they have to injuries, especially at the quarterback spot. They could be playing a safety at running back uh, right now and still be able to limit themselves to just one loss at the year. They have wins over Florida. They have wins over USC. This Utah team does what Utah does, which is just find a way to win games. But I truly think Oregon is in a different class than them. This seven-point spread is just too much. If it was three, three and a half, four even, I would be looking to take Oregon because I think Oregon is better. I, I mean, I can't point. I don't think you can point to a look on offense. It's it's no question. Oregon to me is one of the best three to five offenses in the country. Utah is maybe not even in my top. Mm, I don't know. Certainly not my top twenty five. Maybe not even my top fifty offenses. Maybe, maybe they're right around fifty. Maybe they're like my fiftieth ish offense in the country. Huge advantage for Oregon there. And then I like the Oregon defense. The Utah defense is clearly better, but I think the Oregon defense is like a top 25 defense. This, is, this isn't data-driven. This isn't like, this is more vibes-based, but Salt Lake City is a really tough place to go. Kyle Whittingham is a really good coach. He's shown that he knows how to get the most out of his team, even when they have limitations. If this was in Oregon, even if it was nine and a half points, in Eugene, even if it was 10 points, I think I would be laying it with the Ducks. I just can't bring myself to do it in Salt Lake City, even though I think Oregon is the significantly better team in this one. So it's just going to have to be a stay away for me. On my second screen, another game I'm not betting, but it's the cocktail party, Georgia and Florida in Jacksonville. 
a great game to go to if you've never been, if you like traveling around and seeing different college football locales. It's not a campus environment, but it's a really cool, unique environment Environment at a neutral site. Similar to Red River, I haven't been to Red River, but I've, I've been to the cocktail party. And from what I understand, there's some similarities, there's some differences, but uh, just a, it's a fun, cool environment. I encourage anybody who loves college football and likes to see some of the different traditions in college football to make a long week out, a weekend out of it in Jacksonville and go check out this game sometime. I'm tempted to play this game a couple ways, but uh, ultimately I'm going to stay away. The one way that I am tempted is to take something on Florida in like the first half. Georgia has notoriously started slow throughout the year. And I don't really know why this game would be any different. They are coming off the bye week, but they don't have Brock Bowers. That's the big deal in this game. They're not going to have Brock Bowers. So I'm super interested to see how they are going to play. And so I'm tempted to play Florida like on a first quarter, first half line, and then live bet Georgia because Georgia has been really good in the second half of games. But uh, I'm just too many questions for me about how Georgia looks without Brock Bowers. I guess if I was going to make any sort of recommendation on how to play this game, it would be something on on uh, Florida in the first half. Let me see what their first first quarter, first half odds are looking like. The, the, the spread for the game is 14 and a half. Uh, if we look at first quarter, it's three and a half. I think that's too small. If I was going to recommend anything, and I, I still might add this later, I'm not going to do it right now, though. It'd be Florida plus seven and a half. That's what I'm tempted to do. I just got to ter- determine if I trust Florida enough to do it. And if I think that Georgia could have put anything in during the bye, uh, that will enable them to start the game faster. So uh, I guess that would be my lean Florida plus seven and a half in the first half. Uh, but I'm not putting that one in quite yet. Okay. I got a bunch of games. I am playing at the three thirty time slot here. And let's start with another game where I'm going to play a first half line. And I'm going to take Virginia plus 10 and a half in the first half against Miami. The full game spread is Miami minus 19 and Virginia coming off that huge win on the road against North Carolina, their first top 10 win on the road in program history. Miami also gets a big win with their backup quarterback at home against Clemson in double overtime. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke will be back for Miami at quarterback this week, but I really like Virginia here in the first half because all year long, even before they broke through, Virginia was keeping games close in the first half. They were competitive through a half, even through three quarters a lot of the time, and it would just kind of slip away with them. They would implode. They would make a big mistake. Something would happen, and the final score would look a hell of a lot worse than it actually was. So plus 10.5, on Virginia is the play I like here. Miami also hasn't been necessarily the fastest starting team. They've played a lot of close first halves themselves. So give me the who's here. Uh, Both teams coming off big wins. Maybe a bit. I don't see this as really a letdown spot for either. Uh, I just think it's two teams coming off big wins. Virginia plus 10 and a half in the first half. Then I'm going to go to an SEC matchup. Auburn and Mississippi State. I saw this earlier in the week. I should have 
put it on Twitter. I should have grabbed it then. Uh, I didn't. It was 43 and a half the total at the time. Now it's down to 41 and a half, crossing that key number of 42 that I would have liked to get over. No matter, I'm playing it. Auburn, Mississippi State, under 41 and a half. There's not a lot of analysis here other than these are two really bad offenses that I don't trust to score the football. Auburn's defense, not bad at all. Mississippi State's defense, not bad at all. Uh, Both of these teams can have some success, or Auburn, I should say, can have some success on the ground, certainly more success on the ground than they do passing the ball. I just think I can't trust either of these offenses. The defenses aren't bad, so give me the under 41 and a half in this Auburn-Mississippi State game. Moving on to the Big Ten. So Nebraska is a team that has started to put together a pretty decent season after a brutal start to the year. They're sitting at four and three. They're two and two in conference, but they are absolutely ravaged by injuries right now. I saw a quote from head coach Matt Rule earlier in this week that was something along the lines of like, He's this is one of the worst injury situations he's ever been around. And let me just lay it out for you. Since the start of fall camp, Nebraska has lost four of its top five wide receivers, two of its top three running backs and three of its top five offensive linemen. That's according to uh, Husker online, Husker online, the on three uh, the Nebraska on three affiliate. So they are completely beat up on the offensive side of the football because of that. I like the under in this game under 39 and a half. I like Purdue plus two and a half and I like Purdue to win outright as the first leg in my money line parlay of the week. This is entirely an anti-Nebraska play. It's not because I love anything that Purdue has done so much this season. This is really anti-Nebraska and their their horrible injury situation right now. So a couple bets there involving Purdue and Nebraska. My last game in the 330 time slot is going to be Louisville versus Duke. And I am taking the Cardinals minus four and a half in this one look I like Duke I'm impressed with everything they've done this football season I think that defense is really good but Louisville is coming off a bye they're coming off a bad loss to Pitt their first loss of the year uh, one that was just brutal to take after getting the win over Notre Dame the previous week. I think Jeff Brom is a really good offensive coach. He's known for drawing up those trick plays. He's known for big games. And I, I think he will draw up a nice offensive game plan for this one. I think he will they will hit some key, some big plays in this one. And without Riley Leonard for Duke. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up much like they couldn't keep up at Florida state a week ago. They got off to a really nice start in that game there. They got a defensive touchdown, a pick six, but without that defensive touchdown, they only scored 13 points. If you take away that pick six Um, and Riley Leonard was in the game for that first touchdown that they scored. I don't believe they scored. Yeah. They didn't score a touchdown. They didn't score a touchdown after Riley Leonard left that game. And um, I just, as great a season as it's been for Duke, 
as well as they have played at times. I think going on the road again to Louisville, a tough environment, tough place to play, uh, an explosive offense. I think they're going to have trouble keeping up with this Louisville offense. Louisville also has some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. And at some point, I think, Louisville is going to hit a big play, which will be the difference in this one. I would have made this one like four and a half. I I think with Riley Leonard at quarterback for Duke, if he was fully healthy, I would have made this one Louisville minus three. So I think this point and a half is, is not quite enough to account for Riley Leonard being out. So give me Louisville here minus four and a half hosting Duke. Let's go to the night time slot and uh, a couple games that I will finish out with here that I'm including in as the last two legs in my money line parlay of the week. So Tennessee and Kentucky play in a rivalry game this week, and I am going to take Kentucky here on the money line. Tennessee is coming off a bunch of physical emotional, high-intensity games. They get the win over Texas A&M two weeks ago. Then they lose to Alabama, which I think every Tennessee fan will tell you is a bigger rival for them, a game they get up for more than the Kentucky game. But I don't know that there's anybody Kentucky gets up for more than Tennessee. Kentucky is coming off a bye, um, and I think this is a bit of a letdown spot here for Kentucky. So give me the Wildcats to pull the upset here. They're like a three, three and a half point favorite uh, right as of right now. I'm going to take them on the money line as my second leg of the money line parlay of the week. And then I will finish out my money line parlay of the week with Arizona late night, Arizona getting something like three, three and a half uh, against Oregon state. And, you know, I've been on Oregon state a couple times this year. I like this Oregon State team. I think they have a well-balanced offense. I like Jonathan Smith, but on the road, they are a little bit different team than they are at home. I think they have that great home crowd advantage, which they will not have in this one. Arizona will be at home for this one. Um, Arizona has played really well the past couple of weeks. Of course, they blasted Washington State 44 to 6, but before that, they went toe-to-toe with USC in that overtime game. Uh before that, they gave they gave Washington a bit of a challenge there. And with uh Noah Fafita, he's been a guy at quarterback who has just come on the scene and really been a difference maker for them. I think he has like a 70 something percent completion percentage. He's throwing the ball all over the place. This is an Arizona team that is playing with a lot of confidence right now. And these are the kind of mid tier PAC 12 games that are really hard to win and kind of separate the teams in this league, like the Washington's and the Oregon's and the Utah's even from the Oregon States and the Washington States because those teams at the very top are able to get this done, and that's why they're college ball playoff contenders. That's why they are Pac-12 championship contenders, whereas I'm not quite sure yet if Oregon State's there. This seems like the, the type of game they could lose on the road. I love the confidence that Arizona is playing with right now. So give me Arizona as the final leg of my money line parlay of the week. So that will be Purdue, Kentucky, and Arizona. That comes out to plus 1087, just under 
11 to one odds on that one. So the, my full card here is UCF minus seven hosting West Virginia, Kansas over 27 and a half on the team total, Virginia plus 10 and a half in the first half at Miami, Auburn, Mississippi State under 41 and a half, Purdue plus two and a half at Nebraska, Purdue, Nebraska under 39 and a half points and Louisville minus four and a half points versus Duke. That's our show for today. Enjoy week nine, everybody. And I will be back to break it all down in just a few days. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.